They shall come all for violence. Their faces shall sup up as the east wind. And they will gather the captivity of the sand. Welcome to the June Girls Podcast, hosted by Eugenia and Alex. Episode 2, it's the movie review. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to June Girls. Episode 2. The movie review. We are coming at you hot. Live. With our takes. <laughs> On this cinematic adventure this of ex- a movie. This experience. Mm-hmm. Mm. An experience it was. And I'm just going to come right out the gate here. I'm going to come. Give it to me. Guns blazing. Um, I just think as a film, not only as an adaptation of Dune, but also just as a movie in general, what we have here is a castrated film. Oh, yeah. It's a movie that in, in Denis Villeneuve's attempt to mitigate any... Uh, anything that could be offensive, anything that could be cancelable about the original text, he manages to take away any meaning from anything. Mm-hmm. And we don't even have, right, the like feminine void of endless creation. We don't have that kind of castration, quote unquote, right? We have this true sterility of just being completely cut off at the base. <laughs> I don't know. Where, how do you, you can, I, I mean, you can, you could do it chemically, but you can also slice and dice, I think. Yeah. And it's, it's gone. Like, yeah. I think they did both. Like they cut it and then they chemically like cleaned up the, so it's like pure Kendall. Yeah. So there's just nothing. It's all surface mm-hmm. and the surface isn't even capable of being meaningful like a no. meaningful monolithic like, we're talking no. about i'm talking about an erection i guess yeah, I, yes can you get boners <laughs> after being castrated you can't right uh i don't know i don't maybe think we'll have someone let us yeah, know later can somebody let us know i mean we are dune girls we i don't have direct experience with anything that's castrated other than this movie um, yeah in, i in, don't either and I'm speak- not personally or in experience. <laughs> I'm speaking like psychoanalytically. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think that you can't have a boner, which is my point. This movie does not have, I didn't have a boner watching it for sure. <laughs> I had like the inverse of a boner, <laughs> like a, <laughs> like a, I don't know, just like a, an instant dry, like a, like With a dude. drawing inside. Yeah. Just like a, sh- more than shrinkage, just like a fully, <laughs> just I want to. Reabsorption. Yeah. And so, okay. So I saw it, I watched it on HBO Max at home. So I kind of cheated. But yeah, yeah, you got breaks. I went and saw it in IMAX alone. And yeah. took paper notes. Yeah, I was... They've all fallen apart. Like, I keep playing with them. <laughs> Scribbling in the dark. Mm, sorry, I am drinking 
LaCroix. So if I, <laughs> if I have some, you know, if we don't edit out the burps, just roll with it. Accept us for who we are. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, no, so I watched it at home. And so I, well, Alex was doing notes in the theater. I was doing like this weird automatic writing on Google Docs <laughs> where I just was like watching the movie, but simultaneously my fingers <laughs> were just like reacting to everything I was seeing. And it, it follows the same kind of like just complete, I'm like angry and also <laughs> just confused. Right. Yeah. I'm sure your notes coincide with all of my like frantically looking around at the audience, like trying to find someone else who's as fucking confused and upset as I am. But I can't see anyone because it's a dark movie theater. So. Right. Yeah. And I won't. Um, I did have a friend tell me <laughs> that mm-hmm. when they watched it with their friends that they had to keep pausing it because they watched it on HBO Max. They had to keep pausing it to smoke more weed. <laughs> to be able to in order to keep watching, to watch <laughs> which you know that does sound granted a lot of people just need that yeah <laughs> in general um but yeah. i could see how it would be very necessary here uh absolutely so dude i mean let's talk about the extreme beginning <sighs> okay like what why do we have this quote that is not from Dune? We're just going to attribute it to Denny because it's, it's in his, his alien language from his previous movie, Arrival. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm, what are you doing? Yeah, beginning of... Yeah, let's figure out where it's I'm actually gonna, from. Yeah. So, yeah. But like... No, it's not yeah. 2021. So when you look it up, so this is also our issue. It's like so hard. It's like not even, I mean, maybe somebody can. Yeah. If you know the oh, origins. What? Okay. It's dreams are messages from the deep. Hold okay. on. There's a screen. Well, where's it from? There's a screen rant article. And I know screen rant <laughs> is like, they love Dune. Ah. Uh, what, what is the meaning behind the opening message of Tenny Villeneuve's Dune, the epic adaptation of Frank Herbert's 1965 novel, epic. or at least the first half of it? Are you kidding me? First half is the worst. It's not. The, anyway, it's not the first half of the novel. Also, no, this is what it's suggesting. Third. Yeah. Okay. The film opens with the caption, dreams or messages from the deep, but this isn't given any significant explanation or context. At the same time, Dune involves many unexplained visions in the mind of Paul Atreides, so it's safe to assume that the movie's opening message relates to that. The question is, (laughs) what do the opening text and Paul's vision mean together? This is so... No, where is it from? Where is it? Yeah. So obviously we just have to attribute it to Denny's own infinite depth that he just pulled this out of. Oh my gosh. Maybe it came to him in a dream. Dude, yeah. It's not. Spoken in the language. Oh my gosh. I'm like <laughs> looking at this. It's so. Ew, it, no. makes me, it makes me feel gross. Okay. Because <laughs> there are an like innumerable quote. Like we could take any sentence, I think, from Dune and, yeah. and have that. Like, let's forget that every chapter of Dune starts with a quote. <laughs> yes. 
from another book within Dune that will later be referenced, which would be like, I don't know, the most obvious way to tie it in. Right. In any sort of context. So instead, we instead have this quote that we just tried to, we did a little investigation with you, dear listener, um, because it's totally stumped us. And now I'm fully convinced that it's just an evil Villeneuve, uh, you know, masturbating. <laughs> yeah. Because, dude, it's in your alien language from your other movie. Yeah. There are no and aliens in Dune. <laughs> not a single one. Not one. Um, like, it's probably the only sci-fi, like, pl- anything that has no aliens. Right. Or robots. Yeah. No, no robots. And that's that's a major... This is like... We're going to do a whole episode on yeah. the Butlerian, the Butlerian Jihad. Jihad. Yes. So... so <laughs> yes. Uh, right. And I think that having that and then the weird language and then cutting to the Warner brothers, like <laughs> fucking yeah. logo was so confusing. And then we have our, the great voiceover from Chani. Chani girl. Uh, okay. <laughs> you we- use this, dissect this one because I get too angry. Well, yeah. <laughs> so I, I was able to pause and kind of like, breathe and then restart the movie uh but so right in right off the bat we have her say you know the spice in the air is so beautiful or some shit like that and i'm like dude if you are a person who has never read dune and you're coming into this movie you have zero context you don't know what the fuck spice is right nothing no nothing you i mean it can be sand you like it literally is just sand it's like a shot of sand blowing in the wind and glittery sand and it's not like we later get that it's like the most important substance in the galactic empire because of blah 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 but so okay so that's the first thing that pissed me off is that we're talking about spice we're not explaining what it is we're not giving any context and then and then <laughs> she goes on to say, right, because this is like a scene where the Harkonnens are like massacring the Fremen or something. And like, she's like, and they're ravaging my planet, Arrakis. People. And I'm just Bitch, like, no, they're not. It's like, what? It's like, <laughs> how do you, how do you ravage a planet that is, Literally the most inhospitable, hellish place. Like, Dune is not anywhere that anyone wants to be because it kills everything and anything that tries to survive on it, except for the Fremen. Like, they're not in any harm's way, like, because of the Harkonnens. They're fucking fine. Yeah. What is it? Arrakis exists to train the faithful. Like, yeah, it's, it's not there. It's not like some kind of like rainforest that we're, <laughs> that we're destroying. Gully. Yeah, exactly. We've just, so, okay. So that also made me mad because we're introducing, right. This, I get what he's trying to do. He's trying to create this like structure of like, okay, well the Fremen are these like oppressed people and the Harkonnens are, like, committing genocide, which they aren't. They're not. Yeah. They, like, they think there's, like, 10,000 Fremen yes. on the whole of Dune. And they're, like, 
huge like populations in their little fucking shit all over and they have no idea that they exist. So yeah, they're not, they're fine. Yeah, exactly. So the Fremen, it's kind of like a, it's like, if you don't fuck with me, I'm not going to fuck with you and their worlds don't really meet. Right. And no, and that's the other major part of Dune is the fact that the Fremen are kind of like these non-entities, right? They're, they're like not even worth the Harkonnens to, to feel like they need to exterminate them. Yeah, they would be wasting more resources yeah. to try and find them. Right. And and so, okay, and then it goes, and then it's like, oh, who's going to be the, who's, who's the next oppressor? You know, who's coming yeah. next? Because I guess. Like, they even know that, like, the Harkonnens are leaving and there's this whole, like, changing of the guard. Like, who's, what? Yeah, it's like, no, I mean, the Fremen have, are kind of fucking busy <laughs> surviving and yeah. living their lifestyle and they don't give a shit, right? I I mean, come on. Anyway, so then we cut to, then we're back at Paul and mm. we, mm. Um, <laughs> I guess we should talk about the breakfast scene. Yeah. God. So that's like a teen drama TV episode like that completely takes us into this like Disney, Marvel, Star Wars, mm. you like Lord of the Rings, even just like that sort of whimsical feeling I feel like I got from it. Like it was not the serious tone that it should have been to set those characters right like correctly. And it also really gave me this Walter Jr. Skylar mm. White vibe <laughs> of like now now Walt Jr., now Flynn. <laughs> uh, be sure to eat your vegetarian bacon. Like, like it just has, you know, it has, it, it establishes now this relationship between mother and son that is one that is so trite and, yeah. and just like surface level of like, but mom, I don't want to do that. Like, yeah, it's like lacking this, deep connection that they've had because she's basically defied her entire like lifelong training and this generations long culture of hers that tells her to have a daughter Mm -hmm. or you will face dire consequences. Yeah. But she has this son and she treats him like, like an entire I don't know. Yeah, I mean, someone's he, so important to her, and he feels that, and they have such a great connection. Yeah, and she's also trained him, you know, in 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 the Bene Gesserit ways, right? So he's he's already kind of got this like alternatively intense, deep relationship with his mother that that it exists on like such a higher level that that doesn't you know, manifest itself and like, but mom, I don't want to drink my orange juice. Like, yeah. Like Paul, this plays out and we'll talk about it more later, but like Paul in the book is so like keenly aware of his status and his position and his like importance, not even like in his own family, but in the whole of the scheme of the empire and what they live inside of and the politics of it. Yeah. He's very aware And I wouldn't say proud, but like 
actively participating in it and yeah. he knows and has this sort of decorum and responsibility about himself, even as a 15 year old that is completely lacking in Timothy. Right. And then we also have, I think Denny attempting to like avoid this for as long as possible. Right. Because we have the breakfast scene yeah. and then we move into like the like Duncan Idaho. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about Duncan Idaho. We're just, um, we're going to talk about him in a second, yeah. but we just, for this, like, so it's like, yeah, Duncan Idaho is like, Hey, I'm going to go to fucking Arrakis early, bro. Like, and Paul's like, Hey, I want to come. Like, I want to come. Like, I'm going to, I need to be there with you. Cause otherwise I saw you die. <laughs> like, Mm, first off, not going to die. Uh, I just, that's a, that's a line in the actual movie. Yeah. Not going to die. First off, not okay. going to die. Uh, so, okay. So then we get Paul. It's basically like Paul with his mom, Paul being angsty, kind of like annoying with his mom. And then Paul with his like bro BFF uncle, fun uncle kind of character. Yeah. And then he moves to his dad and he's like, but dad. Mom said if I asked you and you said yes, that I could go um, like to the sleepover with Duncan. And well, I don't even really have to sleep over. Like I can come home yeah. before if like that's okay. Yeah, it just everyone's going. And I, I mean, like it's just going to be us here and by ourselves and you know I really think that I'm old enough to go and you know we we talked about me having more responsibility and like I want to go yeah I'll have my cell phone <laughs> I'll give you his parents number no um you can but, call his mom yeah so right so we've got all of these scenes that are not in the book let's just put that yeah. out there first of all we've, these we've skipped the first amazing scene in the book, which sets up the entire story for us and gives us right. everything we need to know that we're missing in this movie, which right. is this dinner party where they first arrive in Arakeen and they have all the diplomats. Mm -hmm. They have, they already have shout out mapes. They have everything. Yeah. And we have none of that. Yeah. We have, at all. yeah, we have none of that. And we also have, this development of Paul, right, as like this teen douchebag instead of in the novel, like within the first few pages, we have the test. We have the Gom Jabbar scene yeah, with the Reverend Mother. And in this movie, he puts that scene like maybe like 45 minutes into it. Yeah. Um, and it's in the way that it's constructed is it's like, oh, like mom's going to force me to do this weird thing before, you know, it's just, it doesn't have any. No, of it doesn't follow any of the necessary like paths that it's supposed to take to develop Paul. Right. And we've also sort of fundamentally shifted like who Paul is by having these like scenes that don't exist in the book that establish him as like this kind of like angsty teen boy. Right. And it's supposed to give us some sort of insight into like the Bene Gesserit mm -hmm. culture and what they're about and how intimidating they are without being this like overtly powerful like player. Yes. And we just get like this beaded thing. Ah, 
yeah, the costume. Okay, right. So yeah, first, jeez, uh, like you can't even see the Reverend Mother's face, which, and that scene is just too dark. And let's, okay, we're also just gonna have to come right out and say, they had no good takes of Timothy. <laughs> no, <laughs> this whole scene is like the best they could do with what they had. Yes, the the and go- it, they did not have anything. And the fact that they cut to Jessica outside of the room while Paul is wailing (laughs) (laughs) and we like it just it says to me that Timothy couldn't do that scene. Right. He's not capable. And then so just I'm sorry, like maybe you just didn't have the right director. (laughs) Uh, um, But the fact that it becomes not even like a scene that's specifically about Paul, right? It's like a scene that sort of weirdly has to do with Jessica too. And I mean, it does in the book. I mean, she's a part of it, but like on this- In a much different way. Yes, exactly. In a in a way that it's like she has this, you know, she like she's nervous, but she is not a fucking mess. No, and like- yeah, she also knows that because of the choices that she's made, that, yeah, Paul might die. And that's like... Yeah, and she's willing to do that. She was willing to risk having a son and doing all of this because she was so sure of herself that she could produce this child. Right. She could pass this test. Right. And, like, so we, we've removed all the gravity. And then that scene becomes this sort of just like hand pain, you know, what's in the box pain. Like it's kind of, you know, what's in the box, like what's in the box, (laughs) what's in the, what's in the fucking box. Uh, It's a reference to the movie seven. Um, It's Gwyneth Paltrow's head, uh, by the way. If you're not aware. (laughs) So yeah, he, he shifts it, I think into that mode. And then, If you want, y'all, I think here we're just going to say, please go watch on YouTube. Just the, if you don't watch the whole just David the Lynch movie, just watch the Gom Jabbar scene from the David Lynch film. Because yeah. that is, I think, it's like... Perfection. Yes. And, and it's the way that Kyle pulls it off and even the way that this the actress who plays the Reverend Mother is like... Yeah, her name is, uh, I don't know how to say it in, like, Gaelic, but Cyanne Phillips. Amazing. Yeah, she is, she gives you all of the severity and, like, the just importance of her self. Like, there is nothing outside of her that gives her her power than her Mm -hmm. and, like, her abilities and her belief in herself. And there's none of that. Right, and we don't even so, and not even being able to see the Reverend Mother's face in this film also just is like gives me like Darth Vader vibes, right? It gives yeah. me like fucking like Star Wars, like oh, we're gonna put a mask on, make some kind of scary, unknown, you know, uh, and there's no right, so you lose that connection. You're, I mean, I feel like we're just again, y'all. It's the it's the castration. Everything has lost its meaning. Okay, so yeah. what? So okay, Gom Jabbar scene. Please just YouTube, 
watch watch Kyle MacLachlan. Yeah, and see what it's supposed to be like. And then instead we have this like sniveling, weird, like hurt puppy crying on the floor. And then inside the strangely like, I don't know, sandboxy looking. I know. Uh, Gamjabar box. Yeah. We have some ambiguous ethnic chant singing like during the fight like what the fuck dude just what was that even about that and like just to just to call it out y'all there's no moment of this movie that is unscored no silence there is there's no silence and it is because and i'm just saying this as a statement i'm not even suggesting it i know this to be true in my heart because Denis Villeneuve was highly aware that this is like an incomprehensible bullshit script. (laughs) And so he needed Hans Zimmer to like guide the audience. Drag us by our hands. Yeah. Like telling us like what we're supposed to feel, you know, cueing us emotionally with his like fucking never ending score. I mean, the score is like, like what? Like, there's nothing wrong with the like actual music. It sounds amazing as always, but it would be nice to have a break to think about anything that's fucking happening. Yeah. And I mean, I think just like as a choice stylistically, you know, the power of the score comes from the ability to also have some or the script si- to, scare, to carry the story right. on its own and to have some silence, you know, no, but we did get bagpipes. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> we don't get to hear a balisette, but we get to hear bagpipes. Yeah. We get, uh, this is, I think, Denny attempting to, like, do the pug thing. Yeah. That David Lynch like- did. <laughs> but in, like, the most fedora tipping, like, Reddit douchebag. Right? Like, it's so <laughs> far removed from anything that I can possibly associate with Dune to have bagpipe it's like what is the what is what would be like a funky instrument that not like one that we have already got like that's cool that's made in the book that is given to us on this fucking platter let's put in bagpipes (laughs) and also we have to i mean we can all we can already just like put pull pull this all together in a ball and say with this score you have the bagpipes, right, with the Atreides, and that's like clearly Anglo-Saxon, sort of Western, classically, you know, Caucasian. White people. Yeah, white people <laughs> sounds. It's like, oh, okay, this is a little weird, but it's still like recognizable. You know, that's what you play. Yeah, when- all these dark-haired, dark-eyed people are. <laughs> yeah, but like the bagpipes, bagpipes are what's played when like a cop dies or something. Do you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> so we get that that's... And then, hmm. since we're talking about the score, I think we should already just like bring up. We've, we've, oh, yeah. Th- we talked about the ethnic screaming, but also the, the <sighs> Tibetan throat singing for the Sardaukar. Yes. On, like, Se- on Seleucus Secundus, we are skipping around. Sorry, folks, but like this, this idea we need to persist because. Yeah. The, yes, the Tibetan throat singing on Seleucus Secundus 
what is, and what is that, what's, sir, how does that serve its purpose, right? It's, it's making it scary, right? It's, yeah. It's using the Orientalism to other them and to make them seem terrifying to us, the Western, right. like, idiots who right. think that it's a scary sound right. instead Be- of being a whatever. Like a, yeah, like a sacred, like, sound of a people traditional, yeah, a traditional yeah like we are instead given it given it's like given to us is like this is how demons sound <laughs> like yeah they're like, <laughs> slitting people's throats and have pools of blood everywhere when you hear this sound now you'll think of that instead of this like rich tradition that is not ours and it's very ethnocentric and shitty right and this is also like this is so classic just so this this is in the star wars vein of like do you remember in episode one when there were all those like very obvious like stereotypes of like Watto being like a jew like just yes. like the aliens who are oh my raised, god like, like bartering and yeah. just like and then there's just like the chinese fish is <laughs> at the beginning like yeah. just like having like such like so over the top racist this is we're getting echoes of that here, right? Yeah. Because that's this, like, Denis Villeneuve is, like, going into this space of, like, well, this is for, like, the general wide audience, and, like, they're not really going to be thinking about, like, what what does it actually mean that I'm, I'm, I'm hearing this scary Tibetan throat singing music, and, like, what is that suggesting about, you know, other cultures yeah Yeah, or like giving giving i didn't think about this earlier but like we were going to say how uh thufir is carrying a a parasol (laughs) and i'm now associating that with him being good at math like because he's a mentat like (laughs) it's just furthering this ridiculous tie-in to orientalism that is not in Dune whatsoever. There's so much rich cultural, like, content to pull from in Dune that he's just yeah, he's, adding to it. Yeah, he's, like, defaulting to the vaguely Asian Blade Runner, uh, you know, like, dystopian future kind of vibe, I think. And if you think, if you remember, which I barely do, but the... <laughs> In Blade Runner 2049 with Jared Leto's, like, scary character, it's, I mean, the the design of his pal, I don't fucking remember, but it's all, like, the same shit, right? It's all just, like, these these empty sort of zen areas and, like, round windows and, like, all of these vaguely Asian... (laughs) Stylistic choices that have no sort of it's just lazy behind them. They're lazy. Yeah. It's just a lazy thing that you can show to a Western audience and be like, "Here, look, this looks kind of crazy, right?" Like, yeah, it's exotic. It's ex- yeah, and then this one's scary. This one <laughs> makes you look smart. <laughs> like, <laughs> this one looks like really modern. Uh, but. Dude. Back to the Harkonnens mm. not being fucking scary at all. Dude. Like, 
No. They're so boring and sterile. They are. I I don't think I've ever seen a representation. I mean, of course I haven't because there's only been, because <laughs> there's been two. There's been like the sci-fi series and then the David Lynch movie. But like this Baron Harkonnen is like the least hedonistic, like, like in, like this is a character who wants to consume everything and everybody right for no no purpose other than to live in excess like he just must have it yeah he's solely satisfying his needs and and i do think again here we have denny avoiding the fact that in dune uh the baron is you know has a taste for young boys right and yeah he doesn't want to go there which i kind of get maybe for a ratings kind of thing but like that, that that is such you, you have so much other things to work with like. right and that's also just like a like that deviance is is so like informed by the baron's body and I, and i think we yeah. yeah we again are like losing losing the sense of the character because maybe we don't want to suggest that having a large body is a negative thing yeah, that, but that's even that's too, but that's not what the fuck the Baron is no, about. No, it's about it's it's he's like a physical representation of gluttony in right. all forms, yes. and it has to do with like sheer size in sort of like this intimidation way. Mm-hmm. Like he's just so big, and he has these suspensors to carry him around because he's so lazy. Yes, not because he's like. I don't know. Yeah, it's not like he's too big to move. It's kind of just like he doesn't want to put the effort into it. He'd rather put it into like being disgusting. Yeah. And and he it reminds me of actually like if if you were to have like if we draw from history, this is like a Mussolini kind of guy, like yeah, just total ego. Like I am the best and I will like take whatever I want and have as much as a much of it as I want. And it, it, in this movie, it's like, they're trying to hide the fact that he's huge. They kind of make him, they give him this like long black dress that hides his body. Yeah. And they make him sort of look vaguely like a snake, like like, Voldemort. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, is this like a Tom Riddle? Like, like, what the fuck is that snake called? Nagini. (laughs) The, yeah, it's like, we lose. And then, yeah, we can also fucking bring up that spider. What the fuck was that? That's not in Dune anywhere, guys. Please don't think that that's coming later. That was like a... I don't know if maybe that's like some weird like callback to Hadarowski's drawings. Maybe I'm missing something. Yeah, I that don't... is there, but I don't fucking think so. No, because there's no that doesn't exist. Yeah, it's it... not, and they probably won't even go back to it. I feel like they'll just leave it, and it'll be like, oh no, that was just like a weird thing we put in. Don't worry about it. Yeah, that like... was our just little spider pet. Like, 
And I also noticed uh, there was like some a post about it and, and there were some people being like, well, I know there are things later on in Dune that are like chairs, but they're alive. <laughs> and to comment and being like, those are chair fucking dog. chair dogs and that's not a chair dog. Uh, no. Not even close. So, no. yeah. That- but they also like, isn't there, like she uses the voice on it. To yeah. To go away. So it's human. Is it? Is well, it human? you can only or, use the voice on humans. Oh, uh, yeah. Right? So maybe it's like suggesting that the Harkonnens have like, like maybe you, f- engineered you like these weird spider Yue's people? wife? No. No. I mean, it, that would be... <laughs> I, would, I would think we would need more than two scenes with Yue uh, <laughs> in order for them to have it be like, oh, here's... That's Who's your spider wife. That spider thing, that was actually Yue's <laughs> wife. I mean, uh, it could have maybe worked if if we had any about it. context of, like, why this fucking character who, I, again, y'all, if you haven't read the book and you've seen this movie, you are functioning with some great, I don't know, you're... Like you, negative information about this movie. Yeah, and you you're just filling in you must be filling in the blanks somehow. I don't really know how, but like the fact that we get zero exposition about this huge betrayal. It like it's the catalyst for the, everything. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it just not having, just deciding like, oh, you know, no, I think we need like 10 minutes of aerial shots of spaceships uh, instead 10 minutes, of- minutes instead of like, uh, I don't know, maybe an hour of the whole movie is spaceships, is spaceships. and sand. Dude, like good 75% of this movie <sighs> is without dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> and a good 75% of the book is purely dialogue, yeah. either internal or external. Yeah. And so, okay. So just to wrap up about the Harkonnens, it's yeah. just, they've got, they lose all the messiness, right? And that's something that in, in David Lynch's film, he really, really, really doubles down on. He doubles down on the weirdness and also the, yeah. like this messiness, like the Baron yeah. has the pustules and it's like, just really overly excessive. Like greasy and oily and mm-hmm. just reveling in it. Like he wants to be that way. Yeah. And also what, what what's so cool about it too is if you think about the Atreides and sort of how cool, calm, collected together and balanced in terms of like emotions and physicality, you then are comparing it with the Harkonnens who are like way thrown into like pure physical manic. Yeah. Just again, like hedonistic, like they're, they're on the far extreme of consumption. Um, and of just, you know, consumption for consumption's sake, which is truly disgusting. Right. Um, and, and we lose any of that. (laughs) And you know what we also lose? Fade Rautha. Oh my God. <laughs> where, where is he and where, when is he coming? Yeah. And how the fuck are you going to explain away? <laughs> where, where, where was, was he? he? 
It's just like, he's not even, like, we don't even bring up, like, oh, yeah, like, great, F- Fade would be great right now, but he's, like, off on another planet. No, so we're stuck here with fucking Raban. Raban, <laughs> not the beast. We don't call him that because he's not scary and he's not a beast. Like, yeah. Also, it's just, like, they don't have hair, you know? Yeah. The whole, like, bald, okay, we're going to make them bald. And it, it fits along with the fact that, like, Piter and... Then Thufur, so the the Mentats, y'all, in the book, around their lips, they're supposed to be stained because they drink this this juice of Safu, right? It is, you can look up the quote, just my, by my will alone, Uh, I set my mind into motion. It is by the juice of Safu, the thoughts acquire speed. Where is it? The mouth acquires stains, the stains... The stains provide a warning or something. It, it's this whole. Okay. It is by will alone. I set my mind in motion. It is by the juice of Sappho that thoughts acquire speed. The lips acquire stains. The stains become a warning. It is by will alone. I set my mind in motion. Yeah. And we have like a little tattoo. Of a square. Yeah. Like how does that get there? It's not like UA's like diamond from his doctor school. Yeah. That's a specific. Yeah, it's supposed to be this like, you know, there is a sense of of, again, Frank Herbert is is trying to emphasize the humanity of of these people who are yes, they're kind of like androids, but they're not androids, right? They're fully human. They're fully human, and these stains are like you know, suggesting this like fundamental messiness that is within all of us, even those of us who are trained at such a high level that our brains work like computers. Yeah. Like those sorts of people who are just, I don't want to say like savants, but like people who have this insane drive at things that are really intelligent and like pushing forward in ideas are fucking insane. Like we wouldn't get anything done if it weren't for these like crazy people that put their all into something and like just forget about everything else. And so that's what the Mentats do. Yeah. And they are now in this movie sort of like glorified, you know, they're, they're not androids, but they could may as well. like accountants that follow them around. (laughs) They could just be, you know, so just boring. We get no Piter. I I mean, Piter is, in like two scenes, he's boring as fuck. I'm sorry that I know that man, Das Malkian, that's the mm-hmm. actor's name. It's like David, I think. Das Malkian. Uh, he's having like a little mommy, mommy, a moment because uh, he was in this Suicide Squad movie. Also, there's like everybody in this movie has also been in like a superhero movie pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Which they're kind of just bringing that flavor to literally everything or just not bringing anything whatsoever. Right. So, yeah, he he's not really developed at all. No. Um, and so we have no fade. And yeah, just just this. I was not scared by the Baron Harkonnen. I, I really no. had no he gave me no he had no impact on me whatsoever, honestly. I, no, I didn't re- even really realize it was him. Like, yeah. <laughs> when I was watching, I was like, oh, that was Piter? Like, yeah. I thought we were going to have a whole thing. 
Yeah, no. And then even like there's so we 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 even lacking any of like the really you know the blood feud between the Harkonnens and the Atreides, and then in the yeah moment- we don't know why they're fighting. We don't know <laughs> what's going on because no one has told us first of all about anything to do with the Emperor and like given us any exposition as to why the fuck they're switching the Harkonnens and Atreides on right. Arrakis. Yeah, yeah. He decides for some reason instead of taking the perfectly acceptable uh, the the way that the book is actually structured, which is <laughs> the emperor has you know gone in with the the Harkonnens with this plot against the Atreides because the emperor feels like you know Duke Leto is a little too charismatic, and they're developing what's called the weirding way, which is like being able to I don't know if it's the weirding way exactly. But they're using like their voice as a new uh, supersonic super weapon. weapon, right? So we've got this element of okay, Duke Leto is really popular, and we've also got like some kind of like weapons technology we don't understand. So the Emperor is going in with the Harkonnens to plot against the Atreides, and yeah, why, why don't we? Why don't we just have that? Why do we have to have it? So no, like and that would that would remove the necessity to have Chani say that it's like their planet's being ravaged because the whole point of sending them there is because it's so goddamn shitty that they're going to just like flounder and die in the desert because it's such a shithole. Yeah. And they don't, (laughs) I mean, and they also like in the book, y'all it's pretty clear that something weird is afoot when the Atreides are being assigned to Arrakis and in this yeah, movie, it's they're like, aware of it. Yeah. They're aware that there's, a, this is a little bit fishy and weird, but you know, he's not going to go against the emperor. They, but in this, it's sort of like, Oh, we have to, we have to take this like sacred. Co- I don't know. It's like, this is such <laughs> a, such a big deal. And when, when house Atreides is asked, we answer and it's like, we have to wear a full regalia to go meet the weird. Was mask, that the emperor? No, that was like just his representative. That part was so confusing. I mean, that's like right at the beginning, y'all. The scene where Timothy is like, do I really have to get dressed up, mom? And she's like, yeah. yeah. And then everyone's yeah. really far away from I each know. other. I know. How do they hear each other? They're just like so far away. And then these. And there's like Nazi, like. Yeah. Set up behind the Atreides. Like the fucking, could be Iron Crosses, but they're the Atreides <laughs> Hawks. Uh, and then I think you have, they're supposed to be guild navigators coming out. Yeah, with their helmets. But they look like, da- they're just like Daft Punk masks. Yeah. That's what that like, was. Why are they all there? Dude. <laughs> It beats the fuck out of me. And they don't even tell you that they're guild navigators, do they? No. Like, no. you're just supposed to go, who are these guys? Yeah. And that entire scene, like, wait, like, did he use, like, the Duke? Was the Ducal ring involved? I that was like, the vague... wax seal. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Jeez Louise. Okay. Sorry. It's just <laughs> when you have... Like, and those of you who are listening who have read the book and who maybe had the same feelings as us about this movie, you know that there, because there is so much and then there there are so many decisions in this movie that just don't make any sense. Any sense. Uh, 
it's bound, we are bound to get a little bit like flustered and, uh, yeah. So, okay. So, okay. We got to talk. We got to talk about our guy. About Uncle Dunky. Duncan <laughs> Idaho. <laughs> about Aquaman. About yeah, the like pretty boy cash grab fuckery that ruins <sighs> a incredible short-lived character that can never be brought back in that way because <laughs> it would be the most laughing stock shit in Hollywood ever to try and have that happen. Yeah. But, so for, again, those of you who are not familiar with Dune past the first book, even, um, but if you're familiar with the series, you do know that Duncan Idaho is perhaps the most important character <laughs> um, in the entire series. Uh, yeah. And so the fact that we are given Jason Momoa <laughs> to start off with and his complete, like, it kind of reminded me of like a Top Gun. There was like, yeah, a, there was like a goose kind of, I don't know. That scene, there's like Paul and Duncan and Gurney on either side and they're all like holding arms, walking away from like a thopter or something. And yeah. immediately I was like, is this Top Gun? Because these fools are not friends. Like they are not homies. They yeah. are, there's like no hierarchy between these characters or anyone that there should be. Right. And, and that's the thing is like, again, y'all part of the major substance here with Dune, the book is these societal structures and exploring them and also having very rigid ones. And, and these characters fit within distinct places in, in the social hierarchy and, and, and having them rewritten and kind of put into these like, Oh, we're just all bros here. Yeah. You, you lose, you lose it's all that fuzzy and there's no, yeah, and that also informs like a lot of what's happening in the story. So you also yeah. are losing like I think like some clarity in terms of like what the fuck is going on. <laughs> um and then yeah, so just and Duncan's line. I mean, the dialogue I think was plagued it's throughout. So awful. Like when he's in, I don't know if they're in like a locker room or something, or like, I don't know where they are, but when Duncan's talking about having been with the Fremen mm. and he's just like, man, they're like, they're like so cool. Like you're going to love it, dude. Like they just, you know, they're kind of like, I thought they were like primitive idiots, but look at this cool fucking compass. I brought you back. Yeah. Like they made this shit. Like, look at this gadget. <laughs> Like, check out this gadget that you'll then lose, you'll use later on in the movie because I've introduced it now in this, like, straight from a fucking Marvel movie scene where we get the gang together and explain what the fuck is going on because, like, thus far we've just had, like, disconnected scenes of, like, spaceships and then, you know, random breakfast table, <laughs> gom jabar, fighting with mom. More sand. Like, the date palms. That like, guy, I was like, what? Like, if we're spending time... They gave so much screen time and lines to that man that who, they don't give to UA. Like, Yeah, <laughs> and then, he? like, that guy is not in the books, okay? No, no. That guy... They, they missed, like, 
the whole the whole explaining of the water ceremonies and the selling of the water like from shout out mapes or from that other dude abandoned uh, during the dinner party scene oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. beginning not, where he's like no, what is his this nickname does not like exist. Susu there's like yeah this giant sort of thing like we need to address is he the also banker guy the sandworm kind of in like the room a, oh. Robert. Why Robert. are all the Fremen outside I think in the daytime really like with no still suits, shite. no face shields, just fucking wearing pajamas and flip flops everywhere? Yeah, they're just out. No water uh, discipline. Discipline at all. It's so. Y'all, this is like. <laughs> they would not. You know, we've they got this. Be outside. No, they wouldn't be outside. They wouldn't be like sitting under the direct sun having yeah. fucking coffee. And that whole scene is so weird, though, because it's like it's just scored and it's just these like four dudes doing their ceremonial spice coffee thing that would be super cool to explain later in the CH. Right. In the CH, <laughs> not the Siech. Um, and but we get nothing at all. And then we also get nothing at all except for this like weird little garden thing that is in there that takes away like from what is it called in the, uh, the like it's, it's, I don't think Atreides house. I called it or I looked it up. It's not an, I think an arboretum is like a much larger no, it was called the conservatory. Oh, conservatory. Okay. Yeah, like that they have on the palace in Arakeen that explains the kind of the whole reason of what Kynes is doing. And we'll get to Kynes in just a moment. Oh, Jesus. Like, and we just get this unexplained little glimpse of these like plants. Mm-hmm. I don't, it's so stupid. Yeah. And it's also just kind of like, okay, Kynes is, and, and we've got that just that's how Je- Jessica and Paul <laughs> just are gonna just meet up with like Kynes is now okay well the other <laughs> the other sandworm in the room yeah uh y'all we have talk <clears throat> we have to talk about the gender swap it uh, kills the character it's, it kills the story it, it kills my soul. It ruins. We we now have kinds as solely this plot device to kind of like link the like this shitty one first half of the movie that they've kind of created into like the shitty second half of the movie. <laughs> uh, like kinds is like I'll take you to my little spot and we'll hang. Yeah. Okay. Beyond that, right? Kynes being a woman makes absolutely no sense. Zero. Um, Zero. Like, I'm like, still yeah. So the angry. like the Fremen, the society is extremely patriarchal, and you would never have a woman in that position. No, they would not accept a woman to be able to exist as like this go-between. between the Imperium, whatever, and the Fremen, because they would be like, bitch, who are you? You're going to talk to me like that? You're going to give them our secrets? I don't fucking think so. You're going to come and you're going to be like one of the like spice 
whores. <laughs> <laughs> and beyond that, we we lose any sense of like so in the book kinds has this amazing chapter it's totally dedicated to uh no I'm, i won't spoil it but amazing chapter where yeah, it's he, like one of the best in the book he has this dialogue with his father in his mind he's remembering his father and it all kind of tracks and it, he inherits his position from his father right and and guys we have to remember in this like larger zone. So, cause Paul, uh, Frank Herbert is using all of these characters to talk about big things and small things simultaneously. Right. Yeah. We're not just telling this small story of, of, you know, what's happening on Dune right now. We are, we are using major themes uh, and elements here that, that are supposed to echo and reinforce each other. And, and this yeah. kind of like, classic patriarchal social societal class structure like all of that as being constructed as being like things it's there for a reason it's mm-hmm. not like he was just like oh no like i'm a dude so everybody else should be a dude and that's the way it is he's yeah. taking from like back then you know in the 60s when he wrote it and it's still completely relevant now Mm-hmm. He was taking what is society and showing how it exists and those dynamics. It's not because he wanted it that way. It's because that's how humans were. Right, right. And he's also he's also making it clear uh, throughout the book and throughout the series that these are all constructs that that don't have any like weird fundamental truth to them right they're just yeah. tradition and and that in order to survive as as humans and and to evolve and adapt we have to become aware of these constructs and how they are so destructive ultimately yeah. and and that's like you know one of the That's made- what the Bene Gesserit rely on to right. enact any of their plans is these traditions and enforcing them and solidifying them on all these different like areas right. and different planets and like pre feeding into them to further their purposes. Yeah. And I think here again, you have Denny deciding that, okay, I don't, I don't want to just, you know, I don't want it to seem like I'm just perpetuating typical yeah. like patriarchal values i'd rather pander yeah like i am i am i am an intelligent man (laughs) yeah like instead (sighs) he is like missing the entire point um and and almost like then doubling down and making it worse i think yeah and it's it's more offensive i think so yeah because it like that woman has no story or substance or anything to carry in that film no no she's just like here you you be our black woman. We needed one. You're our, uh, what's it called? Like token. Yeah. We needed someone. So it'll yeah. be you. Uh, we won't really give you any good lines at all or anything. So, yeah. but thanks. Thank you. Um, yeah. And then to all the people who I have read on Reddit who are like, why does it matter? Why does it? it and we just explained why it matters. Can you read? Have you read? <laughs> Uh, 
it really matters because the the point Frank Herbert is trying to make is that these these traditions the way that society is built, the way that society functions is all arbitrary. You know, yeah. this is, none of this is, you know, brass tacks true, right? We yeah. are, we are limiting ourselves here. And, and Denis Villeneuve, I, I guess maybe like, and, and we talked about in the first episode how, because the book is commenting on ideology, and, the, and how ideology functions uh, yeah. within society, like it, it will, it's difficult to make that into a movie. And it's doubly difficult when you are clearly trying to uh, appeal to the, the most general audience ever, right? Yeah. And, and, and somehow ha have delivered the worst of both worlds. <laughs> <laughs> Like not a adaptation that satisfies, in my opinion, anybody who would really who really enjoys the book, yeah, or the books, and also for the casual viewer who has no no idea about Dune. Nothing. Yeah, what does this movie mean? What is this movie about to people who don't know anything about Dune? Like, I would love to know what you think Dune is. Yeah, and also, nothing fucking happens. No. Uh, also they end it in the stupidest place. Right. And we are like, y'all, if you have not read Dune, please read Dune. And for the love of Shai Halud. For Shai. Oh, geez. And we didn't talk. Oh, okay. yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> death. Dude. And that's it. Yeah. So Kynes, I'll just say it. This chapter in the book that's incredible is Kynes' death. Uh, but, and Kynes is just get, put out into the open bled, right, of the desert by the Harkonnens after they've done, in the book, right? And so he's, like, yeah. going to die and is just, like, wandering the desert. And it's this incredible scene. Um, so Kynes in the... <laughs> <laughs> Kynes in the movie... Uh, we get the tease that we're going to see some worm writing, which I thought was yeah, funny. The hooks. Yeah, we had the maker hooks out. And then, of course, we were just like, oop, just kidding. Because the Daft Punk <laughs> Halo Sardaukar yeah. dudes got just float in, like float down. He, like, he had one idea. Like, he had, I feel like Denis Villeneuve had like three ideas and was like, this is going to look so cool. I don't know why that's my Denny Villeneuve voice. Cause he has like that like French, French Canadian. Canadian. He's like, this is going to look so cool. I don't fucking know what he sounds like. I just know that I have seen his face on so many fucking YouTube thumbnails because they're all suggested to me and his goofy ass little fucking beady eyes. I'm sorry. I, I have some feelings. Inner feelings. Yeah. Uh, like he in his stupid face you know <laughs> decided like this would look cool and then proceeds to have that same thing happen over and over again like oh it would be really cool if we just had dudes coming floating down let's have him do it seven different times throughout the movie <laughs> <laughs> like we're gonna structure all of these scenes just with the idea that everyone's just like floating. That's the cool. That's the part that's, about it that we're showing. Yeah. It's not any sort of 
furthering of the we're story. Not, it's yeah, we're floating. not. There's no character development. There's no. The plot's not moving forward. But y'all, it's going to look fucking sick. We're going to have these Hell dudes yeah. float down. Uh, anyway, so, so Kynes is like trying to get catch a worm away. I don't even know. <laughs> like, we don't even know what the fuck is like where everyone else is. It's just like, got dumped. We don't even know how far away this place is that they went to. Like, there's worms right there. Yeah. Like, and also, yeah, we should just say briefly that the Fremen don't live where the worms. No, they are as far as possible away from the worms as they could get. Because they are terrifying and they and, will kill them. Yeah. Uh, but just the moment that, that is like so bad that it's good in this way, uh, when kinds, they like fuck up her thumper, I guess. Oh, and she starts like she start- dumping on the ground. Like, like that would, that would n- reverberate like two inches. Yeah. Compared to a thumper, which is like supersonic miles. Right, so that doesn't make any sense that the that the worm no, would that actually... worm was just like completely underneath her already, and he yeah. was like, come on, come here, just that. <laughs> and then I don't remember what the Sardaukar say, but her line being like, "I'm gonna pound on the ground and say like, I serve only one master. His name is Shai Halud," <laughs> and then like the worm eats all of them. Yeah. That was just like fucking Sarlacc pit, first of all. I mean, <laughs> just. It was like. The goofiest. Almost, but in this way that I was like, wow, you really thought that you were doing something cool? <laughs> like, you killed that character before they were even a character, and then you gave them like the shittiest death scene. And the lines like, I serve only one master and his name is Shai Halud. <laughs> because it's also suggesting that Kynes throughout is like, like kind of like knows things that from the emperor. And it, I don't know, there's like yeah. that weird, again, y'all, this is just, this has just been reduced. This extremely, this cool, complex, wonderful mm-hmm. character has been reduced to this shitty plot device that's like, Maybe I know. Maybe I don't know. Why don't you come to my follow me cool hangout and yeah. you know I'll show you my library books or whatever the fuck yeah like and then gives them these like fully prepared like take these here go I'll save you yeah and also the fact that like when Paul and Jessica do escape how they don't put on their still like they don't have still suits on like no for the they- first. Like, forever yeah and then they just like put them on in the in op- front of each in other in front of each other like <laughs> not in the tent they're not in they're not sheltered they're just like out on, on the sand <sighs> you know how much sand you would get inside your still suit trying to put it on like in the sand yeah it would it <laughs> um so yeah so we got this weird <laughs> weird sexy moment between like Timothy and and I'm sure I can almost see I can almost see Denny you know sitting by the monitor back there when they're shooting this scene he's like hey it's gonna be it's gonna be a little sexy we're gonna have a little bit of a Oedipus Oedipus complex yeah we're gonna mommy daddy (laughs) mommy mommy son (laughs) mommy 
Mommy's hot. Uh. Mommy, sorry, mommy, sorry. Uh, put on your fucking face shield. Yeah. Hey, mommy, you good? Mommy, you good? <laughs> She's like, you good? You good? All right. All right, let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. Also. Other actual real dialogue. Yeah, the other actual real dialogue was after Paul and Jessica see the worm. <laughs> uh, how How big are they? That was insane. <laughs> that's Award winning. That's her line. Her line is, how, how big are they? That was insane. <laughs> that's like, I can imagine like seeing a worm for the first time. Like, I don't even, I can't even think of something as like magnanimous as that. Like maybe like, I have no fucking clue. Like doing DMT or some shit. Like Yeah. Or I mean, even just, you know, like even if Denny Denny could have like copied from the master of, you know, the general audience cinema world, which is Steven Spielberg, which is you cut to the fucking reaction face <laughs> of the person who is seeing the most insane thing ever, right? Yeah, like, and they don't need to say anything because they don't it's need- awe inspiring and like you can't you don't that was insane. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's called it's the the Spielberg face for a reason, and it also is like taking advantage of the fact that we're watching a a fucking movie. Anyway, uh, fuck, like it, it just like degrades the entire experience when you have wow. Like I did think that the worm was cool looking, whatever. It yeah, looked cool, and it was, it was a giant sandworm. Yeah, and kind of hard know, to fuck that up. Yeah, and. It like you did the special effects really great, and then you have all these amazing effects or whatever, and then you have dialogue like that, which is just it. yeah, it makes it like it's like you're simultaneously watching this like hundreds of millions of dollars, but then also this like like amateur ass <laughs> like we wrote this script in three days yeah <laughs> like lines of we dialogue. didn't read the books and we wrote this in three days yeah and also just like these weird filler scenes and you know cut to dream sequence because we have no idea how we're supposed to structure this together to work yeah and so, like so, go ahead oh Uh, I was just going to say, and that too, I I don't know about y'all. And of course, please let us know if if you, if you ever felt any sort of tension or (laughs) emotion, excitement, anything in this movie. So that is also, I think why nothing felt exciting. Nothing felt dangerous, except at the very, very end. The, yeah. the moment, the only, the only moment that rang true, I know, to both me and Alex was the fight with Jameis. Yeah, that was like, I truly felt like I was watching a movie then. And like, it took me out of my like hatred mm-hmm. for it. And I was enthralled and watching it. Yeah, I will give it that. It was very good. Yeah. Like given what the actual circumstances in the book were and like how he handled it, I mm-hmm. felt that. Yeah. on that fight yeah everything else around that no like why do we get Jameis in his dreams yeah <sighs> what like where does that come from 
yeah, where does that come from? And and why are we just like giving Jameis like, you know, life is not a problem to be solved, but like, a, <laughs> you know, like the classic, the most basic bitch Dune quote you can, yeah. aside from the litany of fear, which was not, in my opinion, in this movie enough. No, and she was crying and she, I, I'm pretty sure she said it wrong. Uh, yeah. So whatever. Um. Yeah, so... We did like the Jameis moment and we did think that it was an honest moment and it was the only real moment of tension um, because it is important in the book that this is like, this is like Paul killing his first person. Right? Yeah, that's huge for anybody. It's, yeah, it's a big step. <laughs> and he's 15 years old. Yeah, it's a big step. Uh, and so, but the other thing, Alex and I were talking, we were saying, I mean, not that anything in this movie decides that it's going to make sense or fit along <laughs> with the way the book is written. Uh, but something that would have made even more sense to end on to then get us into the second half of the, the middle part of the movie is Paul drinking the water of life. Yeah. Like if they were to kill Jameis and then, He's then accepted into the Fremen yes. like life and they go inside the CH. Right. And then they have the ceremony and he gets his water and his wife. He, yeah. And, and he name. becomes, he becomes Wadib and mm-hmm. Usul mm-hmm. and he would be able to like have this purpose now. Right. And the viewer would know what mm-hmm. the fuck was happening and what would happen next in the next movie. Right. And you would also be able to get a glimpse of like, what the fuck is going on with the spice and what happens when you take a lot of the spice and like what you see and how, why their eyes are blue yeah, or like, they don't even talk about anything about that. And you get to see that like the Fremen have this rich life Mm -hmm. away from, and they're have nothing to do with the Harkonnens and they have their own entire culture. And like, it's so interesting. They could have done the spice coffee ceremony in there yeah and like yeah i mean the fact that they that we get the the Jameis, the fight with Jameis, and we have like 30 minutes left in the movie it's already been like two hours yeah <sighs> and just how much time is wasted on completely meaningless exterior shock drivel <laughs> Uh, and like how cool it could have been. And, and we already, like we said in our first episode, we kind of fundamentally don't think that Dune should be a movie, but yeah, if given, you know, you, you put to the you, test, like you, there are things that you could make cool and work. And, and he had like everything at his disposal. He was given so much money and he could have picked any, any actors. He could have done yeah. any writers any fucking thing he wanted and this is what we got yeah this is his vision this is denny this is denny denny's this is the castrated dune this is the dune that lacks any larger meaning or significance Mm -hmm. um this is the dune that is is masquerading as like a teen drama marvel movie uncomfortable mashup yeah. Like, and just the, <laughs> the, the. So disappointed still. Desert power. Uh, yeah. 
just like desert power. Like desert this power. Is only the beginning. Like, like turtle power. Like dude, like y'all desert. No, desert. They don't pa- need a saying. They don't, they don't need, need like a, a slogan. No. Fremen. Yeah. Also, we don't like if you want to think of some. If you want to grab something cool, like read the fucking book. And there's, you know, definitely it's rich a, with a, a phrase. Anything. Yeah. <laughs> Better than like desert power. Maybe like long live the fighters. Yeah. That, that might be. I can't. That's sometimes later. there are some David Lynch because David Lynch. Well, oh, yeah. He did, he did he show me show me the waters of your homeworld, Usul, or tell me about the waters of your homeworld, Usul. That's the Chani vision, and that's not in the book, but it it like has made its way into like the the yeah, but fan. it also is relevant, right? Like it actually like delivers some sort of meaning and conveys what the book was trying to do. Yes. Whereas it doesn't, desert- we're not asking for anyone to verbatim use the text and to make a movie of it line by line or to only use dialogue from From the book, the text, but to write something in a way that reflects it in any sort of capacity. Yeah. Or it's complexity or it's intelligence. Like we get none of that. We get zero of that. And we are instead, like I said, left with this, like most, like the limpest, I'm just a dick, the limpest, (laughs) (laughs) not to, I'm, I feel like I'm getting on, I'm on a genitals kick right now. Um, There's no importance to anyone's genitals in any sort of way. And we're not comparing this to, to an actual limp dick, but in, in what the limp dick has classically suggested um, which is not being, not rising to the occasion at any, yeah. at any point in time. No. It's like, we gave you, like, there's an invitation to the ball. It says black tie only, and you've come and you're and wearing shorts. Yeah. Converse or maybe like a basketball short <laughs> and yeah. a jersey or slide so- sandals. Yeah. Socks on. Yeah. Even, or just like a nightgown, you know, you've just like shown up with like, you know, in your underwear and it's just, it's uh, like, again, in our first episode, we were like, why don't you just make your own movie? Yeah, this, this could have been an awesome movie of something fucking else. All of the resources and all of the things that were used to make this movie could have made an incredible new story. Yeah, but instead it was like Denny Villeneuve is like, no, I am up for the challenge. Of, I will of, make Dune. I'm going to adapt this this book that cannot be adapted to the screen. Monolith of literature that influenced every science fiction <laughs> book and movie that ever came after it. <sighs> and I've made it a caricature of Star Wars and Marvel movies. Oh, my God. Yeah. And just like the um, the sheer... God, what the hell? I mean, I would I would like to talk to him. I would like to be like, what the fuck is going on? When was the last time you read this book, Denny? Was it yeah. when you were 15? These yeah. are all the ideas that I would get from like a 15-year-old boy. Right. Like what? Like, did you talk to anyone who read like? 
What was your process of deciding? Who were the writers? Like, did they have to read the book? I mean, they, so it's, I know it's three of them. There's two. There's two, excuse me. Uh, LaCroix. Uh, um, <laughs> there's two guys, I don't remember their name. And then Denny is credited as also a writer. So, yeah, I mean. I want to know how many of the actors and the writers have read Dune. I think like all, all the way through. Like, they all claim. <laughs> to have read the book but i really it's like did they read it or did they like spark notes it i think it was like the dune wiki it must like, have which been. is actually good i don't know why they would get all this shit from it yeah it just in that it's yeah, because you are neither hot nor cold, you are lukewarm, and I will spew you forth from my mouth. That's like a quote from the Bible. Uh, <laughs> and that's how I feel about this movie. Um, yeah, it's quite obvious that we really, really, really fucking hated it. And I cannot wait for all of you to tell us how shitty we are and how we're wrong and how it was really good. And I mean, I would really love to, y'all, and we are... We want to talk, we want to have somebody, like, I think Alex has a contact. Yeah, my friend Austin is going to uh, come on probably the next or another episode to talk about his reaction to our reaction. (laughs) Because he loves Dune as much as I do. He actually really loves Denny and his movies. Mm -hmm. And he really liked this movie. And I... Oh, he did. Not entirely sure how to think about that. Yeah. So I need to talk to him and I need to have him on here to discuss that with us and to give us some different sort of perspective as to what we should like about it and what maybe we were blinded by our own rage, like rage at it before nerd, it even happened. Nerd I don't rage. Know. Nerd rage. Like, fully. This is the nerdiest I've ever been in my goddamn gaslight, life. Gaslight gatekeep girl <laughs> boss. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that I can't even, I can't even get to a point where I'm believing that I could enjoy this movie as a movie no. because I just don't think as a movie it's successful. Yeah, we need to hear from people who have never read Dune and this was their first experience with it. And, and if what they, did you think about it as a movie? Yeah. Like what are your thoughts and takeaways from watching this? Yeah. Because I, mean, I felt like it was not a movie. It was not an enjoyable film. No, it's just like flat and no one, you don't know who it's like, Anyone so disconnected. Yeah, flat, disconnected, uh, lots of Daft Punk masks. <laughs> um, I mean, they got the sand right. Like, there's a lot of sand. There's a lot of sand. <laughs> All, you know, this this stacked cast, you know, majority of the actors, I feel like, were phoning it in from a thousand miles away. Stilgar's water <sighs> fat ass. Like, Dude. He would... Stilgar is, like, the most badass like tough Bremen like archetype dude and we get Javier's like Javier's not even acting he's just being himself yeah he's just like I'll put on this outfit and talk to you I'm not putting on the shield I'm not putting on the face shield though like no (laughs) no I mean just Josh Brolin was terrible oh god like he stopped trying 
maybe after, I don't know, No Country for Old Men. Yeah, which, I mean, I get it because Cormac McCarthy is, like, the ultimate thing that you can, like, do, really. Yeah, maybe you peaked there, but, like, not even, I mean, we're just, we're just making the same face and delivering the lines in the same way. And and I do, yeah. you know, and I'm sorry, Timothy, but I don't think you're up for the challenge of Paul, at least not no. in the way that Yet. this Paul is written. I mean, yeah. I think that I'm going to give Timothy a little bit of the benefit of the doubt that maybe he wasn't directed very well. Yeah, he had a terrible script and no direction. And he could have done better if he was given something better to work with. Yeah. And I do think that ultimately all of this falls on the shoulder, the very large, very, very broad and strong shoulders of Denis Villeneuve. (laughs) He can carry the shame. Uh, Like, I just, I don't, I don't see the... I don't see how, I don't see how it's good. I just don't see any <laughs> redeeming, no, like, but please, please let us know and like but, try to, try to talk to us about it. Like yeah, we're not I trying mean, to tell you that we don't want to hear any dissenting opinions because we really no. do. That's the whole point of this. Yeah. To, like, talk to people about Dune. We would love, you know, for this not to be an echo chamber. Um, like Alex and I, I think shortly, like, after starting to watch the movie on my end, and she hadn't seen it yet, but I, like, already knew that we were both going to hate it. (laughs) Um, You know, so, like, we're not trying to just be, I mean, we are haters, which we've established, but, like. No, we're, like, kind of trolls, but we're really not doing, we're not overplaying this. Yeah, no, if somebody, if somebody can, you know, wants to, to, to just, you know, point by point, be like, no, you're wrong because, like, I, I enjoyed this aspect and then this aspect and then this part of the movie moved me or this part of the movie didn't. And and I would... And this made sense or, like, this yeah. carried this. I don't know. And I'm going to challenge that person to say, like, okay, are you sure that that was what was happening or were you just responding to the visual effects? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Are you just responding to the cool, the how cool it looked? Yeah. Because Instead of like the film as a whole. Yeah. Because looking cool does not make a film. No. Especially not fucking Dune. Denny. No. Like you can get away with that shit with Blade Runner 2049. I don't care. Yeah, because that's like a contained story that can look cool. And like, that's fine. But Dune yeah. is this expansive Highly complex. And with that in mind, I do, we, we need to talk about the, I think the, our third official episode, we are going to move into a character analysis series. Yeah. So yeah, we're not just, (laughs) we're not just going to be complaining about doing 2021. I mean, it'll come up. (laughs) Certainly. Uh, But we, so we're going to start with Paul and we're kind of going to go character by character um, in order of appearance uh, yeah. in the first book. Um, as much as it makes sense. Yeah. Like, as, yeah. Like starting but, with the main characters. Yeah. And we'll talk about them in the books and obviously reference their 
portrayal in the film. Mm-hmm. In the films, like, in both movies. Yeah, and contrast and compare and talk about what, you know, makes sense. And then kind of give you this background of who these people are and how we feel about them. Yeah, and also because we've been spending all this time telling you to please read Dune, we are also yeah. aware that it is like a challenging text and sometimes it, it yeah. would really, you know, not everyone has a copy of the Dune Encyclopedia and yes. not everyone is going to just want to sit down and read the Dune Encyclopedia. So if we'll we, yeah, we're, we're going to be like, like it can be like these episodes will be sort of like references in terms of like, yeah. okay. And I think um, we're going to do like smaller little segments that maybe will just be on our Instagram of us reading mm-hmm. entries from the Dune Encyclopedia and like taking questions. If you have like a suggestion of something that you want to know about, yeah, you can read from that and like just give you some sort of background. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, or if, whatever you want to know. Yeah. If you have a question of like, well, why did this character do this thing? You yeah, know, what's just, the significance of this, you know, as it plays out with anything else? Yeah. If there's something that you're stuck on, because a lot of times, like it, you can, it is sticky, right? In the beginning, yeah. it's it's like really hard to kind of tell what's going on. Um, but that's as we've said, you kind of have to go with that. But uh, you know, we we want to deliver some material for you that isn't just haterade. <laughs> yeah, like there's so much to love about you, and I think that is really apparent in our like feverish hatred like (laughs) you can tell that we're very passionate about it because there's so much to be passionate about in dune it is like i don't i haven't really ever read science fiction right other than dune like you know i've read some like asimov one-off things and not really anything else i don't read a lot of fiction at all Mm -hmm. but dune is more than that and it is this amazing amazing entity that is still ever changing and I think that everyone should read it yes and and I think that we as the Dune Girls podcast you know want to encourage conversation about Dune and how it's still really relevant right yeah that's like Frank Herbert's whole point is to have people take the text and interpret it and talk about it and make take action from it right and and to and to get a better perspective of kind of where we are in terms of humanity and uh, like maybe what we're setting ourselves up for or you know what yeah. questions that we we should be asking of ourselves and of our government yeah. of religion you know yeah, of all of our planet yeah <laughs> like ecology is really big in dune guys Mm -hmm. it's kind of very um on topic right now yeah yeah it's uh it remains i think such an alive text it is it is living and so we we yeah we are really excited to move forward and have like good reference episodes, character analysis, and then, you know, we welcome any, like we said, suggestions, questions, et cetera. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But for the longer form podcasts, I think the next one's going to be, we're going to start with Paul. Yeah. Um, Definitely. And yeah, move from there. 
So, we got another one. Hell yeah. In the books. We did it. I know. We have lots of um, listens. Hopefully, we'll have even more by the time this is over and up. Yeah. And and if we made you upset, like, I'm sorry, but I'm <laughs> not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Um, like, you know, and personally, Denny, if you have beef with me, I understand. I have not yeah. been very nice to you. No. Um, you have done something to something that I love, and I don't. It was a disgrace. <laughs> so, um, with that being said, I think yeah. we've I think we've wrapped it. I think we've wrapped think it up. So. If we keep going, we will just we're ruin just gonna devolve. <laughs> yeah, we're just gonna devolve. So we're gonna you know we're gonna worm walk our way. Oh yeah. Um. <laughs> okay. So we will see you guys next time. Dune girls signing off. Signing off. Dune girls over and out. <laughs>